Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor at Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, we are all football all the time here in July. How you doing? I'm doing well, yeah. Um, there's no off-season here on the flagship podcast, and especially when we're what? We were counting today three weeks out from the start of the fall camp, so... Going to be some football-heavy shows coming in the next three weeks, Chip. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's fun. It's exciting. We've been to Big 12 Football Media Days. If you missed our uh, podcast earlier in the week, uh, recapping Big 12 Football Media Days, uh, then make sure you check that out. And we're also processing information that we got from Big 12 Football Media Days and applying it uh, in today's podcast, because we are going to take a look at the, well, we're going to start another countdown. How about that? We yeah. just did our countdown of the position rankings for the Longhorns heading into the 2022 season. Make sure you check out uh, previous episodes for all of that. But today we are going to start once again, counting from uh, worst to first, not worst, but you know, <laughs> uh, building up to number one today, we're going to start with the top six position battles going into fall camp. And we're going to start at number six and Taylor, um, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. Now look, when Texas is in a three man front as they were a lot last year, um, the nose tackle, that point of attack, that all important, you know, one technique Baylor has Siaka Ika. That guy might be the most underrated player in the big 12 and Texas has fifth year, senior Keandre Coburn Tavandre sweat and Byron Murphy who all can play the nose, but Who's really the most deserving of being on the field? I mean, if you're going to put Alfred Collins at defensive end in a three-man line, Moro Ojimo at defensive end in a three-man line, sometimes you'll have Tavandre Sweat at that defensive end in a three-man line, but who should be the guy in the middle of that defense? And Taylor... I mean, you could make it really a three-way battle between Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, and Byron Murphy. Mm-hmm. And Byron Murphy is the guy. I mean, he's the guy with the most upside. He's the guy with the most twitch. He's the guy who, to me, has been invested all along. I'm not trying to take a shot 
at Tavondre Sweat. I think he got frustrated with the changing of the coaching staffs, the changing of the defenses. We talked a little bit about this, um, you know, in our podcast earlier in the week. I think Tavondre Sweat is on board and he's engaged. But Keandre Coburn, great quote, great nickname, Snacks. But we got to see more, don't we? Yeah, we have to. I mean, this is a fifth year player, right? He's yeah, fifth year player. And you, you know, I, I feel like last year, and this may be a, a moot point, I don't know, but last year, Big 12 Media Day, Steve Sarkeesian had Keandre Coburn among one of the players to represent Texas in front of the conference, the league media. And he wasn't there this year. And you expect those guys that have been on the roster for five or going into year five are going to be the ones the coaches feel most comfortable putting in front of the media because they've proven themselves in a way that is deserving of it. And the fact that he is not, was not at big 12 media days was, you know, not one of the guys chosen. I think that should be a wake up call a little bit, because if anything shows the probably level of confidence that the staff has in Keandre Coburn, that's, that's a kind of weird quirky view of it, in my opinion. And so that I absolutely think, you know, I, I love Keandre Coburn. He is a great kid. You know, he's, he's funny. He's one of the, he's almost like a, a walking, like joke, a little, not a joke in a bad way, but like, you know, just like the nickname snacks. It's hilarious. I mean, he's just, he's just one of those guys you want to root for, but you want to see him progress on the field. And I feel like we haven't really seen it at the level that, people expected from him. Yeah. And I think you look at, I mentioned Siaka Ika, um, the LSU transfer at Baylor last year. He was absolutely critical in Baylor's defensive success. He is a junior this season. He was a sophomore last season mm -hmm. in terms of eligibility. And, and that's where we are with Byron Murphy. I mean, you've got to, I'm not saying don't play Keandre Coburn. You've got to have depth no, on, yeah. on the defensive line. You got to play Keandre Coburn. You got to play Tavondre Sweat. But Byron Murphy is he's a Roy Miller starter kit. The the more he plays, the better he's going to get. You don't have to worry about his technique. We've had, you know, Keandre Coburn said that Byron Murphy was going to be an all-American and that mm -hmm. he didn't think that he'd ever lost a one-on-one. -on -one when they go up against the offensive line. That's the kind of talent you have to have at the point of attack in your defense. If you want to stop the run, if you want to collapse the pocket, I haven't seen one as good as Casey Hampton. You're trying to get one as good as Casey Hampton, but Roy Miller uh, was damn good. He was a, a great leader in, in 2008 uh, on that team that probably should have played for a national championship, went on to a, a good nice uh nine-year nfl career uh and that's what we're that's what they need mm -hmm. we've been waiting for that guy puna ford no question he he was that guy you could not move in the middle of your defense and and it makes a big difference but byron murphy to me taylor is is the guy and tavandre sweat and keandre coburn should be chasing him Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking right now at pro football focus from last year's in interior defensive lineman grades for Texas. And Keandre Coburn was the worst of the of the group in 
um, overall defensive grade, the run defense and the pass rush defense. The one area I guess he wasn't last was in coverage, but it's kind of weird for a defensive tackle to have that grade to begin with, but still, you know, you don't expect that from a guy that's supposed to be kind of one of those leaders. And of the of the group in last season, the one that led the way from an overall defensive grading standpoint among the def- interior defensive tackles for Texas was Moro Ajomo, followed very closely followed by Byron Murphy. And I think you want to see. I don't think you expected to see that because remember Moro Ajomo, he's been on campus for a while, but he was so young. When he came on campus, he was only 17 years. I mean, his whole freshman year of of college, he was 17 years old. You know, he was already known to be the one that was going to be a little bit behind the the pace, I think, of everyone else. He was part of that 2018 signing class under Tom Herman and his staff. And he was in the same class, I I believe, I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure him and Keandre were in the same recruiting class in the 2018 cycle. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, it's... It's easy to kind of look back and like just look at last year's stats because I will say Kendrick Coburn was trending upwards prior to last season. And then he just had a really bad year. And I think if you're if you're Kendrick Coburn, and again, same with Tavondre Sweat too, you know, he looks the part, but he has yet to play the part. I just think the time is now for these guys to step up because I I think Byron Murphy is probably one of the more potent guys on this on this defense this season across the board. And they're going to lose snaps from him, right? I mean, you you would think. Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, you know, sometimes it's the way you're built too, and and you know, Byron Murphy, you look at he just carries 310 pounds so easily because he's thick in the trunk, like right. Puna Ford. I was going to say like Puna Ford, yeah. And those are the guys who are the hardest to move. That's how Casey Hampton was built. Uh, Keandre Coburn. Um, we've we've had, you know, numerous players come on the flagship podcast, including Tim Crowder, who's you know been on played on the defensive line in the national championship team in 2005, and talked about how Keandre Coburn got stood up. He gets mm-hmm. he gets stood up too much, and Byron Murphy's low to the ground. He's He's compact. He's he's thick in the trunk. I'm expecting a, a big year from Byron Murphy. And and again, if competition makes you better at every position, then let Keandre Coburn and Tavondre Sweat chase Byron Murphy. Because the players always know who should be playing. Byron Murphy needs to be getting the most snaps of, of any defensive tackle. Let's say they're in a, a base 4-3 then Byron Murphy needs to be at the three technique and Tavondre Sweat and Keandre Coburn can battle it out to play nose. If they're in a three-man line and you're not going to play Byron Murphy at one of the defensive end positions, you better have him at nose because he can handle it. He can handle the point of attack. And I'm not quite sure what was going on last year. I, I get it. You know, Byron Murphy's only a sophomore uh, here in 2022. But again, Siaka Ika was a sophomore last year at Baylor and was one of the biggest reasons why Baylor had such a, a strong defense. And I just think with the way that everything went defensively last year, I'm never going to worry about Byron Murphy getting 
you know, getting frustrated and throwing up his hands and saying, oh man, you know, no one's coming through. That guy's going to fight to the, to the end. And, and that's what you need on the field up front. Right. I mean, I asked Steve Sarkeesian at big 12 media days, does your defensive line need to be the strength of your defense? And he said, the defensive line needs to be the strength of every defense, not just ours. Okay. Well then who is going to get it done? Who are the difference makers on the defensive line? And I'm, I'm willing to, to bet, uh, every coach in that Texas, you know, football complex, they all believe Byron Murphy is the guy. So it's time and, and let's see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm curious for your take on this chip. When you look at just the measurements of the defensive, the interior defensive tackles for Texas, um, you know, Keandre Coburn is one of the heaviest. I'm trying to make sure I am saying that proper. Yeah. He, I believe is the heaviest of the group and he's one of the shortest of the group. How much do you think that impacts negatively him in, in, in playing this position? Well, and that's, I think it does because we've seen him get tired and, mm-hmm. and if you're, if you can't carry, he's three listed at three forty three. Um, if you can it's carry it, great. Siaka Ika's three seventy two. I mean, if but if he's six can, four. Yeah, I mean, so if you can carry it and your engine is strong and you've got the endurance, then you can carry, you know, three hundred seventy two pounds. But Keandre Coburn, we've seen him get stood up too much and. I, I would love to see him this year come out with an incredibly new commitment to keeping his pads low and driving people. That's just something we haven't seen right. on a regular basis. So Siaki Ika actually is listed at 358. 358. Okay. He yeah, was and, and last, so he's down. Yeah, so but, he's down. Yeah. But you know, he's carrying a lot of weight. Right. Oh, yeah. And he and he plays. I mean, he doesn't come off the field much. So that's that's where. Um, you've got to see your big fellas. You got to see those guys just constantly wearing on people. Uh, Tavondre sweat at 340 pounds. I mean, I've had NFL scouts tell me they just keep watching Tavondre sweat to see when it's going to click for him. And we talked about last year, how he may have gotten frustrated at the, at the coaching change and the scheme change. And it, it gets, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot for these guys to have to learn a new scheme every year. It's a lot. And everyone thinks, oh man, you know, you're playing football. No, it's a lot. You, you, you different coaches want different things. And, um, Pete Kwiatkowski, Bo Davis, we've heard Steve Sarkeesian say that, um, you know, the, the defensive lineman had to get used to Bo Davis. Okay. Well, it sounds like they are now, or at least that's what Steve Sarkeesian's telling us. So, now we should be seeing these guys playing fast, playing hungry, and being able to read their keys and know exactly what their assignments are in this scheme. Right. And I'm expecting a big jump up front because there is talent. We've seen it flash. It didn't flash as much as it should have last year. Um, it flashed at times. It needs to flash all the time. It needs to be dominant. And I just think Byron Murphy is the tip of the spear on that on that defensive line. You don't have to, you don't have to ignite that guy. You don't have to light fires under that guy. That guy wakes up with fire every day. 
Yeah. And and I will say one thing too with Tavondre Sweat. He literally has a has had a different defensive coordinator every year in the three years that he has played at Texas. Like he had the same position coach with Oscar Giles being retained, you know, on that Tom Herman staff, but he has had a different defense coordinator. So a different scheme every year where Byron Murphy may have a little bit of an advantage there is because he's playing only in the same scheme. He, he came in as part of, you know, in 2021, his first season playing uh, at Texas. So he's had the same defense coordinator that may give him an edge in itself because he hasn't had to go through the ups and downs of not just even learning schemes, but learning coaches too. I mean, that that's something, you know, when Steve Sarkeesian is talking about the players not being, you know, used to Bo Davis, Oscar Giles and Bo Davis are two very, very, very different coaches. And they both were at Texas prior. So you and I have covered both of those coaches this sec- two times around, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, Oscar Giles was on Mac staff back in the day. Bo Davis was on Mac Brown staff back in the day. Then, um, you know, Oscar Giles came under Tom Herman, obviously Bo Davis, Steve Sarkeesian. But when, when it should have been, in my opinion, Chip, when a head coach goes on to say that this defensive line coach is the best in this in the game right now and that the players need to be playing up to it. What are you expecting from a defensive line coach if you're a defensive lineman? Some cuddly like guy that's gonna be like, okay, like no, you expect a an asshole. Like let's be honest, you expect the Bo Davis that you heard on the bus after the Iowa State game. That's what I that's what you want from defensive line coach. So a part of me, when I heard Steve Sarkeesian say that, I was like, gosh, they better get that that soft mentality out because that, that's the only thing I could think of them not really understanding Bo Davis as well in year one, maybe because he was too harsh. Well, it's like, well, if that's the case, then that's there. There was the problem. There lies the problem on that defense last year. There lies the problem in the run defense. If you're more afraid of your coach, or if you're like saying that the coach is too hard or something like that, and I'm not saying that's the case, but when you do hear those comments, it's hard not to think that is one of the reasons that was a hard thing for the players to get used to, and that's got to change for sure. I mean, if you're going to play defensive line, just like if you're going to play offensive line, you can't get your feelings hurt. You can't yeah. be soft. You got to be one of the tougher players on the team. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, having players share their life stories, the coaches are doing that too. Uh, that, that builds the bridge because y- you always, you know, coaches, it, as long as players know you care, you can coach them as hard as you, as you want. Right. You know, that's the important thing that, that they know you care and that you care about them getting better. And that's why you're coaching them so hard. If that's what's happening now, and there's a better understanding of what uh, Bo Davis is all about. Steve Sarkeesian said he waits until year two to start that team building exercise because he feels like he's got to earn the trust of the players in year one. Okay. Whatever the reason is it's happening now. And that should help in this um, team building this, this team being more connected player to player, player to coach. And, and let's put the best players on the field period and, and go from there. Uh, last year, maybe they felt like Keandre Coburn was a guy who would carry the message for the coaches and back to the locker room and, and be that, that guy. Okay. And so you got to reward him with playing time. Uh, didn't work. Not all Keandre Coburn's fault. That's for sure. Not all Tavondre Sweat's fault. That's for sure. But now you're at a point where everything's got to be judged on 
who's getting it done. This is a production based business and it's a business. Um, and let's see it. Let's see, you know, if there's some, again, some radical improvement from Keandre Coburn to Vondre Sweat and they're the better man than Byron Murphy. Okay. But my gut tells me that Byron Murphy is a rising star in this game. And as a sophomore, he's ready and, and is going to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I totally agree. I think, I think he's definitely a player to watch this year. All right, there we have it. That is position battle number six. Taylor, let's go to position battle number five. Now, this is interesting. Um, all this talk you've heard in the last you know month or so, and especially at Big 12 Football Media Days, about DeMarvin Overshawn rushing the passer more. This is because the coaches feel good enough about David Benda and uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh, to move DeMarvin Overshawn from weak side linebacker to strong side linebacker when they're in a base defense. Now, when I say base, base defense, it means when they have three linebackers on the field. And when Texas is in nickel and they're, you know, going to, to you know, five defensive backs and only two linebackers, then DeMarvin Overshawn would, would be back at the weak side linebacker position. But it sounds like, Taylor, from what we heard at Big 12 Football Media Days and what we're hearing behind the scenes, they're going to try and play more base 4-3 or base 3-3-5, three, three, but really base 4-3 because they have more talented defensive linemen than they have at just about any other position. That will allow DeMarvin Overshawn to move to strong side linebacker and rush the passer from all over the place. You don't make that move unless you feel good about David Benda and uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey at the weak side linebacker position. And that's where they are going to, to battle when fall camp starts. I'm fascinated because you've got David Benda, who's been a productive player, I think he's a high motor guy. He's a he's a he's got good production as a tackler for a guy who doesn't start. And now you bring in this FCS undersized linebacker. They list him at 5'10, Taylor. He looks more like 5'9. <laughs> uh, and that's fine. Sam Mills played in the NFL at 5'9 and was a Pro Bowl linebacker. If you know how to track the football and slip blocks or you know get get rid of blocks fine as long as you can get to the football that's the name of the game and this guy's work ethic everything they've seen in off season has led them to believe that the depth at weak side linebacker is going to be good enough for them to move to marvin over sean uh, to that strong side and rush the passer in the base so we're talking today about this battle at weak side linebacker involving david benda and Diamante Tucker Dorsey. I just find this fascinating because yeah, coaches can work with players a little more in the summer, but they're not wearing pads. Really that stuff, the coaches working with the players more in the summer benefits the offense, to be honest, and the defensive backs because it's really seven on seven. Mm -hmm. The guys at, at linebacker have to be able to show they can drop into coverage and do those kinds of things and move. But the, 
the coaches have seen enough Taylor from, from Diamante Tucker Dorsey, the transfer, the FCS transfer who came in in June that they feel good enough to make this move with Tamarvian Overshawn. So uh, David Benda and Diamante Tucker Dorsey are going to have to, you know, prove it now. It's one thing to say, hey, we want to rush uh, Demarvian Overshawn more, so we're going to move him around. But you still have to have uh, dependability at that weak side linebacker position to be able to do that. Right. And it sounds like Diamante Tucker Dorsey, his football IQ has really set him above a lot of people, I think, on this this roster. I mean, obviously, he's been a he was a 20 he was came in the 2017 recruiting class a two-star prospect by 24 7 sports um i i wonder how much of him going the fcs route was of him um his size probably you know i feel like that does hinder especially for a linebacker being listed at 510 maybe with like the wind behind him it's kind of like a kyler murray was listed at 510 sometimes higher i was like I stood next to that kid. Trust me, he ain't 5'10". I'm 5'7", and we're like eye to eye. So, but I think I wonder how much of that did impact him taking that route. But like, if you look at the amount of games he's logged, sure, it's against different competition, but still, he's seen action in 50 games. You know, was an um, I believe he was an All American, right? At, right, at, FCS, FCS All American at James Madison. You know, 204 tackles, uh, 14 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. Again, FCS, I understand that. But still, football IQ a lot of times can get people on the field. I think that's why Luke Brockermeyer played a lot at Texas. And same with Jet Bush. I think that their mental makeup really helped in year one. The coaches feel a little bit more comfortable in putting them out there at times, even though some people didn't like it to see walk-ons on the field. But I do wonder, you know, the football IQ probably sets him above the rest. But I think when you think about David Benda, I mean, that was a, he was a really, you know, highly touted prospect coming out of high school. And I feel like he's kind of in a similar, maybe not similar because it's a little bit different. Um, I don't think he's really gotten as much opportunity to really show what he can do on the field just because for whatever reason it may be. But I do think people are waiting for the light ball to turn on, bulb to turn on for him. And I think it's time. I mean, when, what class I'm, Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the roster of my uh, the site, the Texas site. Yeah, so he was a so he's a redshirt junior. So he's been on campus. This is his fourth year on campus. It's time. It's time for David Benda to to show why he was a highly touted prospect. And I understand that he's too is in a similar situation as Tavondre Sweat with having a different defensive coordinator every year since he's been at the college level. But at some point, you know, same year, same system, it's time to to turn it on. And I think a lot of people are waiting for that to happen. And I think if that does happen, that's an even better situation for this linebacker position. It's just hard to say it's going to happen. And if the fact that he's competing with a guy that was an FCS player, that's 5'10", and, you know, very undersized playing linebacker, I think even more so people are going to be wanting to see that him shift and really take that next step this season. Yeah. And, you know, he's had the, um, you know, he's got DeMarvian Overshawn at, at the same position. And so when David Bend has come in, he's been productive, but Overshawn is a guy they clearly feel has unique talent. Right. I didn't think he was physical enough the last two years. And I, I've said, I think it was because he was one of the last guys in uh, because of COVID in 
2020. He was home helping his family. He was working. Um, so he didn't take part in that summer conditioning program that was available. And then last offseason, he was recovering from shoulder surgery. I think he's going to be a different player this year, more physical, able to rush the passer, take on uh, blocks. But David Benda, I feel like, is more physical. And I think he is he's up to like 235 now. So I like where they are with Jalen Ford and David Benda. And then we'll see if Diamante Tucker Dorsey can can contribute and provide depth at that weak side linebacker position. Um, you've got, you know, Jalen Ford, a guy they're counting on at middle linebacker. You've got Devin Richardson working there. You've got Jet Bush working at middle linebacker in certain situations. And then you got Luke Brockermeyer coming back from injury. Now, I don't know if Luke Brockermeyer is going to be able to get on the field. If Jalen Ford's doing what he's supposed to be doing, then Ford will be on the field, period. And he's a more physical player. He's, you know, playing with more confidence is what we're hearing from our sources. So fascinating picture at this linebacker position. Um, and listen, I don't have a problem with them playing more four down linemen because we just got done talking about defensive, the defensive line, the fact that you've got you know, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Keandre Cobra, Alfred Collins, Moro Jomo. Uh, and and if you're in a base four down lineman, you're going to have, you know, Baron Sorrell at one of those defensive end positions and Ovia Gofu at the other, in addition to uh, possibly having DeMarvian Overshawn shooting gaps as a strong side linebacker. I don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, I thought they should have played more four down lineman last year, but I, just, I wonder how much of it was the lack of confidence in the personnel that they had to do it. I mean, you can, you, and I know that was a big, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off chip, but I think that was a big thing around Texas fans. They probably want to see it more and they wanted to see it more last year, but if you don't have the guys to do it, is that really the best thing for you to do? I don't think that's the case. And so this makes me think that the staff is more confident in the talent on the, the roster in year two or the guys the talented guys weren't bought in or they weren't mm -hmm. comfortable or they weren't, I mean, there was something going on last they year didn't that trust it. Right. Right. There wasn't that trust, that buy-in that we should have seen up front mm -hmm. and, and across the board, it didn't feel like guys were connected at all on defense and it just kept repeating itself. And I think Steve Sarkeesian has said over and over again, darn it. I didn't do a good enough job of getting this team connected. And that's why he's, he's doing everything he can think of to get these guys connected this year. And that he's now comfortable enough to say things like Bo Davis is the best defensive line coach in the country. Our defensive line needs to play that way. Uh, Bo Davis got a raise. We've mentioned that he's a, he's a million dollar a year assistant now. And so there's obviously something that is telling um, Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Del Conte. Hey, we got to get this guy a raise. They got to feel good about that. You don't give guys a you know hundred thousand dollar a year raise just to to keep them happy if their position isn't producing. So there's been some kind of breakthrough. We've heard that it is you know the team building that the that Sarkeesian has been um, pushing this off season. Now we got to see it on the field, but. I'm expecting a big jump 
uh, up front, period, across the board, defensive line and linebacker, because both of those positions underperformed last year. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. All right, uh, Taylor, there you have it. There okay. is uh, number six and number five in our top position battles. Heading into fall camp, we will have um, number four and number three next week, but you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get into love it or leave it, we're going to take a quick break, but stick around because football talk continues as it always does here on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Chip, I'm going to bring my first love it or leave it. You ready? I'm ready. All right. First one, love it or leave it, Steve Sarkeesian says it might not take as long to decide on a starting quarterback as last year. That means he already has an idea of who it will be. Yeah, I'm I'm going to love this. Now, um, I think Steve Sarkeesian, because he's been able to work, you know, they're able to use a ball now in those eight hours uh, that they're able to work with with players, uh, you know, two, two hours a week and they spread it around, but they can use a ball, which means the offensive players and the defensive backs are getting tons of work in front of the coaches. I have to think that Steve Sarkeesian is seeing something that tells him, uh, we may not have to wait. And that means that he has a, an idea of who it's going to be. And I personally think he's going to go with Quinn Ewers uh, because, look, Steve Sarkeesian has wanted to bring in top-end quarterbacks, and now these are his guys, Taylor. Uh, Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning. No, you know, I listen, Hudson Card's going to have to compete his butt off to win the job, just like Matt Castle tried to compete with Matt Leinart to get the job, didn't get it ended up going on to a 15 year NFL career. But I mean, it's tough. If, if, if a coach brings in a quarterback and the guy was the highest rated recruit in his recruiting class, like Quinn yours was in 2021, something tells me that he's seeing something from Quinn yours that makes him think he won't have to wait as long. If he wasn't seeing good stuff from Quinn yours, he wouldn't be saying stuff like this in my opinion. So I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I think I think I'm going to love it too. Um I mean, you bring up a really good point when you talk about the bringing in your own guys. I mean, remember 
Steve Sarkeesian, it's not like he wasn't recruiting Quinn Ewers out of high school when he was at Alabama, like he was. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a there's an extended relationship there that even goes beyond just landing him out of the transfer portal in December of 2021. So I think that I think everybody's expecting this. Now, if Hudson, I, I don't I wouldn't say that the job is one, though. I want to make that pretty clear. I don't I don't necessarily think the job is one because I think Steve Sarkeesian would probably try, would probably not hide that news if that were truly the case. But him being open to say that in front of the entire, you know, Big 12 media plus televised nationally, you know, um, during that press conference, because I was asked when he was at the the um, podium on the stage and not in breakout interviews or anything like that. I think I think that he has a lot more understanding of the talent that he does have at the position way more than he did last year. And I think, I don't think that he, I don't think really there was a point last off season chip, even in fall camp where he felt comfortable naming a starter. Cause he just didn't have the faith that he needed or that he had previously felt when he was naming starting quarterbacks at previous stops. So the fact that he's willing to say that openly, I think makes me think he does have, an idea much more or at least a lot more understanding of both guys and what they bring to the table at this point. Now they've got to show it in fall camp for sure, because neither one has solidified the job. I don't think at this point, and I don't think that the coaches would see anything in seven on seven when there's no pass rush really coming at you to determine that that's the guy or that's not the guy. So I, I do think he has a better understanding. That's not me saying that a, Quinn Ewers has been named the starter or anything like that. But if you read the tea leaves, I think it's kind of trending in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. How, how far can Steve Sarkeesian go in getting Quinn Ewers ready to handle everything? Think of all the skill talent on this offense. Mm -hmm. And you, you want to maximize that skill talent. And how far can Steve Sarkeesian go in getting Quinn Ewers comfortable in this offense to make it hum, to make it uh, put up points um, even better than it did last year and, and, and compete. And that even if you have deficiencies on the offensive line, that, you know, the quarterback's going to have to deal with that. Uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, Taylor, love it or leave it number two. Number two, love it or leave it, the biggest development defensively this summer is DeMarvian Overshone being moved from the weak side to strong side to rush the passer. You know, I am going, I'm going to leave this. Um, I think the biggest development defensively this summer is them, is Steve Sarkeesian, maybe with some help um, from Gary Patterson or whoever uh, saying that they're going to play more um, tight pass coverage, more man on the outside to free up a safety to bring down into the box to stop the run. I got to see it to believe it, Taylor, but that's what Steve Sarkeesian is saying. And to me, that is Texas fans have been waiting for this. They're so tired of watching corners play eight, 10 yards off the ball. Um, they want to they get back to the early 2000s when 
you know, you had Rod Babers and Quentin Jammer and Nathan Vasher and guys who would just get up on the line and and play bump and run pass coverage and have the confidence to do it. So I'm going to leave this. While it's exciting to think about DeMarvin Overshawn rushing the passer, and maybe he can become, um, you know, Joseph Osai, I think right now, them talking about playing more man coverage on the outside is is a bigger development right now. How about you? I agree. And for the same reason. And I think that is a testament to the trust I think that they have in Ryan Watts bringing in from Ohio State that they they feel comfortable with something with the corners. They feel comfortable enough to make that decision and to make that change defensively, which is a welcome change. Now, I would say the the flip side is kind of one of the players that I feel like always has played so far off in coverage at corners, Deshaun Jameson. He seems to be the one that gives the most cushion, at least from over the last few years, I would say, especially last year. So that makes me wonder if somebody else is going to come and compete with Jalen Gilbo, him still being a part of the team prior to his suspension earlier in the year, we had heard great things about him really stepping up. And um, I had heard from sources earlier in, in winter workouts, actually, that Deshaun Jameson needs like he, he needs to wake up because he was about to get over overshadowed by a true freshman that just entered campus. So, and a lot of other talent that's at that position. So um, that still kind of, I'm curious to see how that plays out during fall camp. I'm curious to see how much Jalen Gilbo is involved on this team, to be honest, um, what the situation is with his suspension. It seems, it sounds like uh, he's back fully with the team, all of that. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see, but I agree. I think that the, the, ch- the change in the, the play at cornerback and playing tighter pass coverage is something that Texas fans should be like, hallelujah, so long as the guys are capable of doing it. <laughs> Cause if they're not capable of doing it, you're leaving guys on an Island to get scorched. And there's a lot of skill talent in the big 12, a lot of skill talent that they're going to face against Alabama, even in the non-conference play. So Obviously, uh, there's still some questions, but I do think that that's a bigger development than, you know, moving um, DeMarvian over Sean around to um, help rush the passer. Yeah. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. Final one is love it or leave it. Sophomore defensive end Baron Sorrell will lead the team in sacks in 2022. I want to love this because that (laughs) means that Texas is getting a pass rush with its front four and doesn't need uh, to, to bring DeMarvin over Sean or, or use zone blitzes uh, to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, I'm going to leave it though, because I just haven't seen enough. Now I've heard great things from teammates and we've been writing about Baron Sorrell uh, this entire off season. And he, he looks the part, Taylor. He's long. He's got that long arm ability to, you know, keep offensive linemen at bay, uh, keep them from getting their hands on his chest while he can get his hands on their chest. Um, I want to love it, but I'm going to leave it right now because um, I may change my mind as we get into fall camp. But right now, 
I'm going to leave it. How, how about you? Gosh, I don't know. We were all so, and not just you and me or Horace 24 7, all of the media was so off last year with the defensive line that I am like, I'm almost, you know, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to say anything about who may lead the team in sacks because the guy that led the team in sacks had a whopping two and a half last year and came off the bench and was injured for a lot of the time. Ben so, Davis, part time. Ben player. Davis, yeah, part time player. Oh, I should have played more. Yeah, probably. I bet he had that, you know, that foot injury just it hindered him in his development leading into fall camp, even early in the season. So um I I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it too, but it's more so I'm gonna leave it just to cover my own <laughs> backside, I'll say, <laughs> because I I just I don't until I see it, I'm I'm not going, I'm not willing to declare anybody a leader in sacks, even if we're just talking about the numbers, because the numbers were so poor last year that I'm just like, nope, I learned my lesson. You gotta show me. No, don't tell me. And so uh I'm I'm gonna be in that boat. So I'm gonna leave that one. Yeah. And I'm excited to see Justice Finkley. Mm -hmm. I mean, that guy is put together. And he has got uh, the right kind of attitude, the right kind of nasty attitude uh, to play on the edge for the Texas Longhorns. All right, Taylor, good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of the Flagship Podcast. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts on the Horns 24-7 platform. Um, and until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.